the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The subject of baptism commands our attention here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us for the purpose of baptism. And again, welcome to today's broadcast. As we continue our survey of Luke, we stumble on to the importance of children in our homes and what Jesus thought of those children. Along the way, baptism becomes an issue as well. So what is the purpose of baptism? That has taken us to a little side jaunt over to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And that's where we catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose as we take a look at the purpose of baptism. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast. Our union with Christ, which the Holy Spirit creates and which we participate in through faith, a gift from God, is the source of all the blessings of salvation. And baptism is the sign and the seal of that union. Listen to Galatians 3:26 and 27. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now these two verses are in sacramental language and as I stated last week, you don't if you don't have a grasp of sacramental language there will be certain passages of God's Word that you'll have a hard time understanding and very possibly end up with some kind of false doctrine. Because of this spiritual union, listen carefully, because of this spiritual union between the visible sign and the spiritual reality that it signifies, there is a sacramental language the Bible uses in which it takes the words that describe the visual signs, washing in water or baptism, to describe the spiritual reality that they signify, which is regeneration. For instance, it says in 1 Peter 3.21, for baptism now saves you. Well, do the waters of baptism actually save you? No, but that of which baptism is a sign and a seal does save you. So here you see an instance in which the word for the visual sign, water, is used to describe and refer to the spiritual reality that it signifies a cleansed life by Christ's shed blood. It is not literally baptism that saves you. It is that which baptism signifies. That is the cleansing of sin's guilt by the blood of Jesus and the cleansing of sin's pollution by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something about these two verses, 26 and 27. First of all, faith is a means of adoption. We are adopted into the family of God by faith. Second, grace, a gift of God, is the cause of our adoption. 
We are adopted not because of anything we have done or anything we deserve. Third, we are adopted into God's family because of our union with God. And fourth, our union with Christ is signified and sealed to us in baptism. We are intimately united to Christ. That in Peter's words says, John Calvin, we bear the name and character of Christ and are viewed in him rather than in ourselves. So what is the purpose of baptism? Baptism is to be a sign and a seal of our engrafting into Christ, our union with him. Second, it is to testify to us and reassure us that we are, in fact, in Christ by grace through faith. And nothing, nothing can break that bond. Third, baptism is a sign and a seal of our remission of sins and of our forgiveness of sins by Christ's blood. Check out a couple of passages with me. First Mark 1.4 and then Acts 2.38. Now you've got to follow the reasoning of Scripture here, so be very careful. Mark 1.4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, there are some ways in which John's baptism is unlike Christian baptism. But there are some ways in which it is very much like Christian baptism, and this verse describes one of those ways. Of repentance, in Greek, is called a genitive of purpose. So baptism of repentance is a baptism or means of grace that stimulates repentance. John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized. Unto repentance, meaning baptism, will spiritually stimulate you, your ongoing repentance, and make you more perfect and consistent and mature in your faith. Notice this baptism that stimulates repentance is for the remission of sins. Repent, receive the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, Mark said. Now to Acts 2.38. On the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching and he convicts the conscience of his hearers. And they come and ask him what they should do to be saved. And he says, repent And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So you see, both the baptism of John and the baptism on the day of Pentecost are linked with the forgiveness of sins. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter issues a true call. These people want to know what they have to do to avoid the wrath of God. And Peter says, you must repent and be baptized. Now, why did he say both? Because forgiveness of sins comes with faith in Christ, which manifests itself in repentance. That's first, repent and then be baptized. If your sins are going to be forgiven, there is absolutely no way for them to be forgiven without faith in Christ.
That is a great testimony of the whole of Scripture. I heard an old preacher say on the radio one time, you can be baptized until you drown and go to hell a wet sinner unless you have been born again. So he is saying baptism does nothing for you, for without faith there is no forgiveness of sins. And without repentance there is no such thing as faith, because repentance is rooted in faith. So he says forgiveness comes through faith in Christ that manifests itself in repentance, and baptism merely signifies and seals the forgiveness of sins through Christ's shed blood. So whenever a believer receives the sacrament of baptism, God is saying to that person, Jesus' blood does wash away sin. Faith receives that forgiveness and then seals to their heart and reassures them that the forgiveness of sins belong to them as God's child. Listen to what John Calvin says about Acts 2.38. Although in the text, in order of the words, baptism goes before the remission of sins, yet does it follow it in order? Because it is nothing else but a sealing of those good things which we have by Christ, that they may be established in our consciences. Let us know, therefore, that forgiveness of sins is grounded in Christ alone, and that we must not think about any other satisfaction such as our own sacrifices and our own works, save only that which he has performed by the sacrifice of his death. Although God has reconciled men unto himself in Christ, and doth now imprint in our hearts the faith thereof by his Spirit, yet notwithstanding, because baptism is the seal whereby he does confirm unto us this benefit. And so consequently, the earnest or guarantee, or pledge of our adoption, is wordly said to be given us for the remission of sins. For because we receive Christ's gifts by faith, and baptism is a help to confirm and increase our faith, remission of sins, which is an effect of faith, is annexed unto it as unto the inferior mean. Now, what that means is that God commands baptism to strengthen our faith. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, and then by baptism, God reassures you that your sins are forgiven through faith. So baptism is a sign and a seal of our remission of sins by His blood. Fourth, baptism is a sign and a seal of our righteousness which is by faith. That reflects Romans 4.11. Speaking of Abraham in the Old Testament, it says, and he received the sign of circumcision, which has been replaced now by baptism, of course, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Now, because this can also be applied to baptism, let's replace circumcision with baptism here in this verse so that you can get my point. He received the sign of baptism and a seal of the sign of righteousness of faith which he had yet been unbaptized. Now the righteousness of the faith is speaking about justification. 
that this is a sign and a seal of one's justification by faith in Christ. So, what is justification, you ask? Justification is when the judge of heaven and earth declares someone not guilty who does not deserve it and credits the righteousness of Christ to him, giving him a title to eternal life immediately upon that person's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because of what Christ did in his place. It is a crediting of Christ's righteousness to our account as the basis of our standing with God. God says, you've got to give me a righteous life in order to be rightly accepted with me. We can't produce that life. So Jesus came to be our substitute, live the perfect life for us, die the substitutionary death for us, and now we receive him by grace. God credits his life and death to our account, his righteousness. So baptism is a sign and a seal that God uses in the life of believers to reassure us that we are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has taken all of our sins away. Now we come to the important subject of understanding the relationship of faith and the sacraments, and more specifically of faith and baptism, the sign of the new covenant. Make sure you have these things clear in your mind. Baptism, as great as it is, does not contribute to your justification. It contributes nothing. Why? Because your justification is based on the finished work of Christ plus nothing. It needs no further advancement or improvement. Neither does baptism create faith. The purpose of baptism is not to create faith in anyone. It presupposes that faith, and therefore has as its purpose to strengthen that faith. So baptism signifies and seals in the unbeliever justification by faith, which the believer received not by baptism, but before baptism by faith, which is a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Romans 4.11. There's a great word there that refutes Roman Catholicism and all non-reformed Protestant versions of baptism. It says, And he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised. That is, Abraham was justified by faith before he received the sign of the covenant. Before. So we can apply that to today. For here we have a man that comes to baptism, not in order to receive justification by faith, but because he has already been justified by faith. Baptism presupposes the prior existence of faith, which is a gift from God, and the prior existence of justification. It is a sign and a seal of that righteousness by faith which he has was given by God before he was baptized while he was yet unbaptized. So baptism does not contribute to justification, nor does it create faith. 
Rather, it is a sign and a seal reassuring us that justification by our faith already has been received. I want to tell you one of the most important things I can tell you about the sacraments. The sacraments both, but in context of this sermon, baptism in particular, is a sign. And a sign points to the existence of that which it signifies. A sign does not create something new. A sign points to the existence, and we should say prior existence, of that which is written on that sign. Let's say the sign says, Jesus saves. What does that tell you? That tells you the sign presupposes that a man named Jesus actually died an atoning death on the cross and accomplished eternal salvation for his people. Now, what if the sign said justification by faith? Is what is written on the sign going to give you justification by faith? No. It presupposes the prior existence of faith in the person by which his signs, his sins are forgiven. Whether that person be 29 years of age or 80 years of age or whether he is 8 days old. In the Old Testament, there was not adult circumcision and infant circumcision. In the New Testament, there is not adult baptism and infant baptism. Ephesians makes clear there is one baptism. And whatever baptism is for adults that profess their faith, it means the same thing for little children. What was circumcision a sign and a seal of for adults and newborns in the Old Testament? The righteousness of faith which he had before he was circumcised. And what is it that baptism is a sign and a seal of? The righteousness of faith that we assume, just as in the Old Testament, we possessed by faith before we were baptized. So you see, baptism presupposes that of which it is a sign. Now here's another point of the most important thing I can tell you about the sacraments. A seal confers and guarantees the genuineness of that which it signifies. It doesn't create that which is signified. It confirms, authenticates, and guarantees the genuineness of that which it signifies, presupposing its existence. If you are going to have something that reassures you of forgiveness in the blood of Christ, what do you have to have? Beloved, you've got to actually have forgiveness in the blood of Christ. It is not the seal that gives you this. It is the seal that reassures you of the historical existence, the actuality of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that brings us who believe forgiveness of sins. Signs and seals create nothing. Signs and seals presuppose the existence of that which they signify. And we see that in Romans 4.11, which tells us that baptism is a sign and a seal of the righteousness which we already have by faith. Brothers and sisters, baptism does not regenerate. It is a sign and a seal of the fact that new life comes from God alone. 
God alone transforms a person's life. And whether we baptize adults or children, that is what we are saying. When adult or newborn is baptized, we are stating that God alone regenerates the individual that is baptized. We are saying here is a covenant member of God's kingdom and we are trusting in God and nothing else for forgiveness of sins. It is Christ alone who cleanses His bride and we are signifying that through baptism. This is brilliant imagery. Baptism, the washing of water, signifies the washing of our souls through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Regeneration is the sovereign work of God. And that is what baptism is a sign and a seal of. I hope you leave here today with a more cherished view of your baptism. And that you strive to live the rest of your life in more diligent service to he who has sacrificed all to cleanse your filthy soul. Now in closing, why have I spent two sermons on the topic of baptism? Besides the fact that we had two baptisms last week and three this week. Well, there are two reasons. First, I want you to understand the importance of God placing the sign and the seal of his covenant upon you claiming you as his own, bringing you into a personal relationship with himself and his family, the church. Baptism is not a subject or an experience that we should ever take lightly. So as you witness the baptisms of Danielle and Destiny and Noah today, or any baptism at any time, reflect on the great sacrifice, the Son of God, had to make so that he would cleanse you of your sins and bring you into union with himself. Union with the maker of all that is. But second, I want you to understand that through baptism, your union with the most powerful force in the universe is being declared. Beloved, with that in mind, how can we possibly fear anything when the almighty creator and sustainer of everything there is has claimed us as his own and promised to do all things for our good and his glory, how can we fear the ungodly powers that be? How can we fear the radical progressivism of those who sit in power in Washington, D.C. and Sacramento? How can we fear a one-world government whom God says in Psalms 2 that he sits in the heavens and laughs at their puny little plans. Why do we fear the power of mere men when we have been brought into a vital, personal union with our all-powerful, sovereign God who through the death, resurrection, and ascension of his Son has declared victory over all the forces of evil we have been called out of the wickedness of this world and placed into a union with our omnipotent triune God. Not so we can walk with Him and talk with Him alone in the garden, but we were baptized into Christ, into union with one another, each receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and God's blueprint, the Bible, for world conquest. And the only reason 
we seem to be merely plodding along is because we fail to see this book as our victorious blueprint for living. And we do not know it well enough to even implement it. And also, more importantly, we fail to remember on a daily basis who we belong to. The most powerful force in the entire universe, Jehovah Jireh, who has promised to redeem his entire created order. How can we fear? And beloved, we do it as we, and beloved, he, we, it, he will do it. He will do it as we give to him our faithful, dedicated service. Not by our cowering fearfully in the Christian ghetto, hoping to be raptured before all that is holy comes tumbling down. Victory and union with Christ, my friend, is what baptism declares to you and to the world. It is not just some nice little empty ceremony. Remember this each time that you have the opportunity to witness the sign and the seal of God's covenant in baptism. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Amen.